Welcome. Uh, we've got an awesome night lined up uh, for us this evening, continuing our journey through John chapter 6. Man, it's been like a power-packed uh, uh, package, this one, John chapter 6, looking at what it means for, to eat his flesh and drink his blood. So for those of you who have been following us along, we looked a couple of weeks ago about Jesus feeding the 5,000 and doing this incredible miracle of taking five fish and a couple of loaves and multiplying it to feed 5,000 people. And that we, we, we looked at the beauty of the miracle itself and how even in that, Jesus was using it to, to lead towards something so much greater than just the miracle, but to present himself as the true bread that's come down from heaven um, so that we would partake not of physical bread, but of him. And in partaking of him, we, we would have this eternal life on the inside of us, coming to know him as, as a true life source. And so this flows on to a real interesting little dialogue that we see in, in John chapter 6. So if you've got your Bibles, um, open up to John chapter 6, starting at verse 59. And just for context, it says this, it says, this is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died, he who eats this bread will live forever. And then the title in the NASB is Words to the, the Disciples. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious that his disciples grumbled at this, said to them, does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and a life, but there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, for this reason, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. As a result, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, Did I myself not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Crazy little passage, eh? So much going on in, in just a, a number of verses. But we start off by seeing this this inter interesting little interaction between Jesus and his disciples. And, and in the verses leading up to it, you see that Jesus has attracted quite a following. Hey, you know, there's a lot of people who have come to, to listen to him, to hear what he's had to say. They've eaten the food that he's multiplied. And then he starts to talk with them about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And all of a sudden, the, they were lean, it's almost like they were leaning forward in their seats. And he says, oh, by the way, you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And there's a sense of, oh, <laughs> we were for you and now we're not so sure. Eat your flesh and drink your blood. Are you talking about cannibalism? Are you, 
And, and so you, you see here this almost like this change of gear for being, man, I'm so for, I'm in, I'm for you, I'm with you, all the way to, oh, oh, actually, I didn't realize that it was that that you're inviting me to. And so there's so many ways that people could take statements like this. You know, people in the Catholic Church, I don't know if anyone's heard the words transubstantiation before. <laughs> it's Kathleen, I don't know if you know about this, my, my one kind of ex-Catholic friend. <laughs> but when, the, so the Catholics believe that when you eat the symbols, the, the bread and the wine, it's actually like Jesus's physical body changes into his actual body as it goes down into you, you know? And yet, Jesus here isn't actually talking about physical blood and physical body at all. He's using a physical example to point to a divine spiritual reality that he wants his disciples to partake in. And so there's potential for offense to come in the physical, the physical typology, but there's also a potential for offense to come in the spiritual reality of what it is that he's describing. As he's saying, guys, Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in yourself. There's actually no other way. There's no life even in good messages. There's no life in good spiritual disciplines. There's no life even in the things even like reading your Bible and prayer in and of itself. These are all things that have been given by God actually to lead us into life, but that we would through those things partake of life itself. Hey, so Jesus says to them, does this cause you to stumble? What if you had the capacity to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? He says this, it's not the Spirit who gives life. Uh, sorry, it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life, but there are some of you who do not believe. He says, the words that I'm speaking to you aren't natural words at all. You need to have the spiritual divine capacity, this ability to hear a word that's spiritual, to be able to receive into you the very thing that I'm speaking. Because if you're hearing through natural, the natural lens, actually you'll write off what it is that I'm saying before you even partake of it. And yet he is so for us in every way that even in this confrontation, Jesus is using it as a, as a teaching opportunity to, to divide and say, hey, in the way that you've partaken of food, I've, I've got something so much greater for you. It's called, my, it's called me. I am the way. I am the eternal life. The way that you'd previously learnt to enter into life now profits you nothing. Let me tell you about this new and living way. And now let's come into true fellowship together that my way would be your way because we've eaten of the same spiritual substance. It's Christ. And so I've got a few awesome questions here for our, for our panel. And uh, we're going to stop, I'd say, at least three times throughout the course of the speaking. I don't know if anyone's got a timer, but what we're, what we're keen to do is uh, maybe every 15 minutes we'll stop for questions, thoughts, dialogue. You can even, you, you can even say what you think. <laughs> you can even say if you think that we're wrong. <laughs> um, and so we want to make this as interactive as possible. Um, so have in the back of your mind, because you know, there's something about participating that actually draws, if you know that 
you need to participate, then you'll be more conscious about actually interacting with what it is that's being spoken. So have in the back of your mind that we're going to stop and we're not going to start <laughs> until, we, until we get there. So either it's just going to be real awkward, you know, <laughs> or we're going to go somewhere cool together. So um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Chris is okay with awkward though, so it's all good. All right, so question number one. It's <laughs> a compliment. It's a real compliment. Why do Jesus' words cause his disciples to stumble? And under, uh, why does Jesus' words cause his disciples to stumble and not understand what he's saying? Why, do, why does the disciples go from being right with him to almost there's the sense of stumbling over what it is that he presents to them about this, the spiritual reality behind the, the words here that he's speaking. I don't know, Chris, you want to you kick us off? Yeah, good. Um, yep, we're good. Um, so, it, yeah, it is really awesome. He, he says, um, does this saying offend you or does this saying cause you to stumble? I need to keep that right up to my mouth, don't I? <laughs> Can you turn me up a tiny bit? Oh, Harrison tried to give it us oh, a good the mic and we rejected it. <laughs> so, there you go. Um, so, you see that there's this massive, it seems to me like there's a really large group of, of people that are in the, the set of disciples, you know, and it says that there's this group of disciples that really wants to fall off tonight, doesn't it? Nearly did that before. Um, so there's this group of disciples, and you know Jesus has already explained to them that this bread that came down from heaven under Moses that didn't actually come from Moses wasn't the thing that was going to give people eternal life. They were hung up on this thing that was back in the day, and you know I think the further away we get from it, the better it was. You know we can relate to that a little bit. Um, and he's like, actually, even if you are eating the stuff that came directly out of heaven, that's not going to do it because this, that's a physical thing and I'm not talking about a physical thing. And so because they only had a physical capacity, they only were able to interpret that into what it was that they knew. And you know, later on as we go down and we realize that Peter has had something of a spiritual reality which gives him the capacity to engage in something greater than just the physical. So everyone that walks away is purely physical and they could have been following him for a bunch of reasons. They were disciples, so they were those that were learning from the teacher, but they hadn't necessarily received something spiritual in them that enabled them to recognize what Jesus was actually saying. So it caused them to stumble because they heard the words and didn't recognize the substance of what was being spoken. And so when this, when Jesus came to engage with them on a level that was greater than what they had, they, they had an intellectual capacity for, they came up short. They, that was all that they had. So he had said some good things. He had done some miracles and everything ticked all the boxes and all the things that they had set up, all the things that they understood and all the things that were okay. And then he came with something greater, which was heavenly in origin, that they just, I mean, these other things were too, but this was like the next level. You know, it's almost like he was talking to Nicodemus and gives him something to take him into the next thing and Nicodemus is like 
I just don't get it. Nicodemus called it and stayed at least in, in the conversation and went, oh, mother's womb, don't get it, you know. But he asked the question. These guys just didn't even ask the question. They just went, that thing, we know that's wrong, we're out. And the things that he had done previously, because they hadn't received the spiritual aspect of it, they'd only received what they had seen or physically eaten, the, the things that he had done previously weren't enough to keep them there asking questions. So they, they had received the physical and hadn't received the spiritual. And Jesus called it, he said, you guys are here because I, I multiplied bread and you got full. You're basically doing what your fathers did in the wilderness, ate a bread that came from heaven, it's the same thing, but that's not the bread that is gonna give you eternal life. I am that thing. And you know, earlier in John he says, um, John the Apostle says, um, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we see this, this beautiful thing take place where that which is spiritual becomes physical so that we can partake of something spiritual. There's this crossover that keeps happening and he starts it and invites us into it. But unless we're receiving and responding to what it is that he started, we have no capacity to cross over ourselves. And this is just what I see here. They just, they just go, they don't say this in words, but in their actions, which is the true demonstration of where they're at, they say, we have no capacity for this. That's what they're saying. We have nothing of any spiritual currency that can, can receive or engage with this. And you can see almost like two levels of maturity, eh? You know, you've got the, the mass who hear it and are deeply offended to the extent that they're walking away. Yeah. And then you have the, the disciples like, like Peter, you know, who, who, who sees it and can grasp that actually there's, there's eternal life on what you're saying, yeah. but I just, I, I just don't, I don't know it and I don't have an intimate revelation knowledge of, you know, but he can still acknowledge, you know, it's just not the fullness of, of what's on offer, eh? You know, and it just makes me think like, and I had this real interesting conversation with, with Levi, you know, and we often will read the, the Bible before bed and he's got this cool little, cool little Bible and there's something in it that started us talking about, um, you know, our home not being our, our, our physical home is not our natural home, you know. And so, um, out, out, you know, out of that story, I, we started to talk about, you know, actually our, our true home is with God in eternity, you know. And Levi just absolutely lost it, you know, and he got so upset, you know. He was just like, I don't, I don't want to leave our home, you know. He says, is, this, is it going to be my, my toy's going to be there? <laughs> uh, it's like this thing is going as badly as it possibly can, you know. <laughs> and he was deeply grieved. I was like, I was trying to describe to him, I said, you know, I said the home that God has for us is a better home than our home, you know. I said there's better things there than toys. The best toys. You know, I don't, I don't even, you know. Um, but he's just like, he was done, you know. And it's like, there's that, level, there's that level of maturity where he hears naturally and his interpretation was through 
a natural lens, right? He's thinking, man, I've actually got it pretty good where I am. I've got my toys. It's comfortable. Mum and dad are here. And so when he heard something of another home, it was deeply offensive to the point of grieving, you know? You know, it's not really like what, I'm not really so much holding up this as a model of discipleship in the household, you know? (laughs) But that's how how it went down, you know? And I feel like there's the same response here from the people that walked away. They were offended because they heard something that he wasn't saying, you know? He's not actually saying, eat my flesh and drink my blood. He's saying, actually, I am the true bread of life that's come down from heaven. I need you to eat of me, you know? So I wasn't saying to Levi, hey, God's out to take away your toys, which is what he heard. What I was trying to say is actually there's an eternal home that you've been predestined to be part of, but through his natural lens, he went here when actually I was talking about this. And so you see those who walk away, they were offended by something that he wasn't saying, you know? And that happens all the time in this environment. You know, the number of conversations that I've had, which are good, where people have said all I ever hear from the front is death, 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 death. Oh, and sometimes you've got to die, you know? (laughs) And it's like, all you ever talk about is dying and death. Well, okay. Jesus, all you ever talk about is being a cannibal. And actually... See you later, because we're not into that at all. And actually, you're, you're going against what the Scriptures say, you know? Do you see what I'm saying? That is hearing through your natural lens, you know? But Peter has something that takes him beyond, you know? He may not have the full revelation of what it means for Jesus to be the Messiah, but he can recognize, okay, I don't quite comprehend what it is that you're saying, but I know that you're not talking about being a cannibal. I know that you've got the words of eternal life. And so there's been a measure of revelation that holds them when everyone else walks away. But now the challenge for Peter is to say, okay, you're not offended like everyone else was offended, but that don't let that hoodwink you into thinking just because you're one of the people who's not asking Oh, it it isn't saying, hey, is everything that you're talking about death? And you can recognize actually there's something of God here. Don't stop, don't let that be your end goal. Peter couldn't let that be his end goal because if it was, he would be essentially falling in the wilderness, right? There's something greater for Peter to say, actually, I can acknowledge that you, you hold the words of eternal life. But now I need to have those words that you've spoken in me. And I need, to be in, I need to be in you and you need to be in me and the eternal life that you're prophesying of. I, I need that in me. I, I'm, not, I'm not comfortable but just sitting and waiting in this posture. There's something so much greater, eh? You know? And so you almost see this moving from immature to, okay, tasted to a measure to actually now we have fellowship because what you're prophesying of, I'm partaking of, and, and I know that eternal life, that eternal life's in me, hey, you know? And so it's a beautiful picture, hey, and God's for everyone in every position and is trying to lead us all into that place, hey, you know? And, and these, um, the disciples, the ones that were his, his real tight ones, the ones that had received something spiritual, they really, you know, oscillated between these two positions where, you know, they were in the boat, I think it was, and they said, and Jesus goes, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. And they're like, it's because we 
didn't bring any bread. You know, they straight away go into the natural. Now they're still able to go, there's something in you. We, we, we recognize that you have the words of eternal life and we know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That is in here. We've, we believe and have come to know, but what you're saying, we don't get it and we don't have a revelation of, of what that is. So we're sticking around, but the moment that you talk about yeast, you're talking about bread because we've straight away jumped into what it is that we know rather than what it is we don't know, which is actually where we're going. And so they just constantly are are hearing things that are heavenly in origin and revert back to earthly mentality. And this whole process, this whole journey is about Christ revealing their inability to receive what it is that he's got for them unless you know, it, it's, it's the Father that gives them the capacity to receive it. You know, the Father opens your eyes, or oh, you received this from my Father, Peter, and so it's not about you, you know? It's that same, that same picture. Yeah, it's an almost like a sense that they've been opened up to something. So Jesus mentions here, there is, but there are some of you that believe not. And then he talks later about those that believe. And... It was those that were close to Jesus that had come into this place of believing, which had opened them up to receiving something of the Spirit. So they had not yet received the Holy Spirit, but they had received a taste, and there were certain aspects of revelation had been dropped within Peter about he's the Son of the living God, and you have the words of eternal life. It's almost like they can see that he is this living water but they, ha- they don't yet have the capacity to partake of the living water in its fullness, you know? So it's almost like there's a, t- there's a little taste of something which is keeping them there, where you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you know? So, so there's, some- there's something that's able to keep them there where others just haven't experienced. Now, they've, others have experienced miracles. I've seen these external things, but through intimacy time with the Lord, closeness to the Lord, they've come into this place of believing which has opened them up to preparing them to be able to receive the Holy Spirit and be ones that could receive the word of life that would come in and, to- and start to really change them. And that, that's, that's really the guts of it, isn't it? That it's the external versus the internal. Yep. Because one group has only had external things, whether it's whether what it is they've seen or even having eaten the mm. bread, it's only an external thing. Mm. Nothing on the inside was touched. Yep. Whereas the, the group that remains has had something happen on the inside mm. that's now affecting the outside. Yep. That's right. And there's a, there's a scripture is in one of the prophets and it says, you know, that the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Have you ever said that scripture before, you know? And it's like, it's, it's, I feel like it's like such a beautiful picture, eh? It's like if I was, a, the, father, the fathers have eaten sour grapes. You can imagine like, imagine just something real sour, like a, one of those sour lollies coming to like, to, to like land on your tongue, do you know that? Do you know the feeling that you get when something's sour, and it's like you can almost like feel it before you actually taste it. There's that like welling up. It says, 
the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge, you know? And the context is actually about judgment. In the Old Testament, he's saying, actually, the sins of the fathers, because of the fathers have partaken of the sins, it's almost like, like father, like son. There's like a, even though you haven't caught up, been caught up in the same action, you've, you've experienced it and almost you've partaken of it by default, you know? And the, the prophecy, it's almost like it's, in the gospel, it's flipped, eh? You know, and you see here, it's like, the, the, because of what the Father's partaken of, there's like a welling up and a tasting having not actually eaten, you know? And, mm. and that's what I see in Peter there. It's like, he, he, can, he can almost, like you're saying, Nick, you know, he's like, he's tasted something of, of the goodness of God. He knows that Christ has the words of eternal life, but those words at the moment, there, there's a taste, but there's not the indwelling presence having partaken of the grapes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so there's, there's a moving from one to the other mm. that he's looking for in them, eh? You know? So is that our timer? Yeah, sounds like it. Any, any thoughts? Question? Oh, look at that. You almost thought that, uh, you almost think that if, if Jesus had more disciples that were more knowledgeable, it would have kind of have a panel like we do here, <laughs> yeah? And Jesus said something, and these guys would just inter interpret it differently to the other guys, because whatever message each of you speak, you interpret it a little bit different, mm. and we all understand that's why we discuss it. But they never, they discuss the wrong me message in between them, what they've heard, mm. and it sends them off totally on the wrong path, yeah, yeah. as opposed to just coming back into it. Mm. What, what I hear you saying is that if Sam and Nick and I were walking with Jesus, these guys wouldn't have turned away. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm joking, of course. So, yeah. you know what I what I love about what what <laughs> what I love. Uh, panel, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exposed. Um, you know, one of the things that I find amazing, and Sam was Sam was talking about this before when he said that it's possible to hear death, 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 death. And dying, you know, and you just, you go, and, and I'm sure that we've all experienced it where you're communicating with someone and they just can't hear what it is that you're saying. And it's not because you're not saying the right words, because it isn't about the words. It's about a capacity to receive something. And, you know, it's like what we're talking about in terms of the journey to brokenness or or when the life of God comes and you have this exchange, and, and it seems like no matter how many times you say, my journey won't be your journey, someone wants to know what the journey is going to look like so that it can be their journey, as an example. Um, or it's almost like the filter that people are, are hearing things with, and I think... The way that I look at it is that Jesus was there and he was speaking these words and he is love and he is truth and he created every person and he knows every heart and he's talking to people and they're still not getting it. 
and some people are getting it and some people aren't getting it. And to be honest, and this might sound a little bit harsh, not getting it is part of the process because how long do you want to not get it for before you go, I can't do this? And Peter's process was all about not getting it and reaching the end and realising that he just had nothing to bring to the table and that was when this exchange took place. And, and that's happened for lots of us where we just go, actually, I'm not the answer to this. No matter how smart I am or how clever I am or how who it is that's explaining Jesus' words to these guys, you, you, might, you might even get it intellectually, but you have no capacity to live it out. And that's where the rubber hits the road. So even if these guys understood what it was that he was saying, and the saying itself didn't throw them, it doesn't mean that they had any measure of love in them, which means that they had no capacity to deny themselves and go where it is that he was leading. And that's exactly what we saw in Peter. And that's exactly where Christ was leading them. So... What we saw here was a demonstration of where these guys were truly at. They were exposed for a lack of what was in them, hopefully so that they realise what's in them, but not necessarily. Because God's heart is that all men would come to the knowledge of the truth, and yet we don't all. Yeah, yeah and I think it's a really good, good question, um, Ruan, you know, in, in that like, I feel like you're saying, if, if they just had... Some different perspectives, some you know that that would help them understand a bit better, you know. But yeah, I I almost feel like even that that in and of itself, you know, highlights what what Jesus is saying here. That his disciples, he's, he's saying, guys, it's it's not about understanding; it's about partaking. And if you partake of me, then you'll have a joint understanding, you know. So for the three of us. Would you say that the three of us are bringing a different perspective or bringing the same perspective? It's a trap, right? <laughs> <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's the same difference. That's a that's a Same, same. It's the same difference. That's a real safe answer. You know? <laughs> um, just can't argue with that. But you know, because I because I would say, you know, to me, for us bringing different perspectives does not necessarily help everyone partake. You know, and in fact, if people can come and he hear different perspectives, you know, there's we at becoming one. There's a real. I don't know. There's. There was a real, uh, there was a real cool moment with with Greg's mum, you know, where we were sharing as a panel, and Greg's mum asked a question, and she said, "No, no, I want Sam to answer it," you know, and and you know, there was a real cool thing that that came from it at the time, but I think just like in all of this, it can be easy to think that, you know, that it's the different perspectives that will give a better, more rounded view of who God is, and actually. That's earthly, natural wisdom, right? That's, I, I deal with that every day. I'm a, I, I write policy. That's how you write good policy. You take multiple perspectives and you present something that's whole based on a number of things that are different. That's not the gospel. 
The gospel is about partaking, and that's what the whole purpose of eating his flesh and drinking his blood. When you partake of the person, actually the purpose now of the panel is actually bringing to light the same shared participation in the gospel that is actually the same message maybe said in a different way. But don't let the saying it a different way make you think that we're partaking of a different person. So for example, if I was to say, um, Chris, um, what, what, uh, what is it like for you to, to eat wheat bix in the morning? How would you describe that? Well, I try to eat it really quickly before the milk sets in. Yeah, but it's, it's what does kind it of taste like when it's yeah, kind it's of crunchy? crunchy. Yeah. What about you, Nick? Yeah, no, it? I normally don't eat them that quick, so it's kind of it's got a little bit mushy, not nice and sweet, <laughs> nice and sweet, you know. Now you can see here the danger, right? If we're all thinking through a natural lens, country, a uh, country, crunchy, crunchy <laughs> a little bit sweet. Are we? Is this a living contradiction? You, you, and, and to me, this is, this is where we need to hear with spiritual ears and trying to describe what it means to partake. We can't hear naturally because we'll hear things that are entirely different to what is being said. We, we need a natural word to be able to describe what it looks like to partake of the same person. And so whether it's, this or whether it's that it's participation in him that we're trying to and can you hear the sounds of what it means to partake of wheat bix through the dialogue or are you just hearing no wheat bix aren't soggy they're crunchy do you see what i'm saying and this is why the gospel needs to be saying eat and drink of me don't try and understand me through your mind because you'll get taken down here when i'm talking about this you know yeah um, I, had, I think we had one, two, three. Oh, Port, do you want to go first, Paul? And then we'll go to Jackie. Just a beautiful example of, the, of it being outworked in someone who does know him. And Peter is such a great example, you know, that, um, and, you know, we're talking about lordship. So here's a phrase that seems a bit odd. So in, in Acts, you know, when Peter's up on the rooftop and he's waiting, and so then the, he gets a, a vision, you know, and three times the, the sheet comes down, the animals are there, unclean animals, and the Lord says to him, you know, um, go kill, eat. And, and then he says, no, Lord. <laughs> if he's Lord, the answer's yes, but anyway. <laughs> you know, and so, so then it says, this happens three times, and then it, then it says, and remember, this is like after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, so prior in these conversations, Holy Spirit hasn't entered into them. They haven't partaken of and now received this, this within them. They're walking covered. Now this is after the event where Peter stood up and now suddenly the Holy Spirit is pouring out from within him. So where did he learn that stuff? You know, And now he gets this and it says now Peter's perplexed in his mind. You know, well, this is weird. What is going on here? And then it says while he's um, meditating on these things and thinking on these things and it, it's allowing God to actually speak and to reveal within him so he's not battling it out in his mind now it says Holy Spirit comes and then speaks to him and reveals in him the men there are men at the door go with them and it's going to actually reveal so Pete's in this whole um, uh, Pete as if he's a great mate <laughs> I mean, <laughs> me and old Pete anyway <laughs> yeah, Pete is um, 
you know, he's in this new place where he's able to actually go, yes, Lord, and walk out and allows Holy Spirit to actually reveal in him what this actually is about. That prior to that was perplexing his mind. That's good, Paul. Um, I kind of have a, a thing to say, <laughs> but I'm really interested in your feedback. So it's kind of a question that sounds like a statement. Um, so just with uh, talking about the, you know, the inability to receive what God was saying, um, God's been really talking to me a lot at the moment about the different operating systems and kind of the two being the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you know, and... So I need to say this. I haven't thought this through really well, so this is, might come out jumbled. But cool. um, what I was hearing in that is that the, the people are here, or the disciples are hearing it through the, the lens of the operating system of the tree of knowledge, you know, and the, the knowledge position is that one of pride, of I know what I know, and so I filter everything through my moral compass, what is right or wrong, or my conscience, or my knowledge base and it's that position of pride of you know when you tell people something that you know they don't know and they go yeah 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 and you're like I know you didn't know that like you know yeah um but it's that thing that we hate to not know anything like it's quite hard to teach people because they don't we don't like to learn we want to be like oh yeah I know I know that I know that um but then the the tree of life is a position where we have to be completely humble because we don't know it and we can't know it unless it's revealed to us but it's, you know like the uh the verse that's like uh what is it humility uh <laughs> what's the one about the, all the promises you know like um a humble heart and here it's all the promises of god like that actually through being that humility of coming completely humble from that position there you're able to receive um but in that as well as there's the place of being open to receive it but then testing it back with God so instead of hearing it and going hang on a minute you're saying something that I can't hear hearing something and going I don't I don't get it I don't I don't understand what you're saying but actually taking that personal responsibility to then go I'm taking this to my father and I'm gonna ask him to reveal this to me and and show me what this means and um, yeah, and, and weigh it and measure it. So it's it just felt when you were talking about that, I just really saw kind of God's giving me these visuals of the the two operating systems, and it's like wow, we're so you know like knowledge. It's so easy for us to ref, to go straight to that and go cannibalism's wrong, you know, like we know it's wrong, but we don't hear it through the right lens, and it's such a choice to be either prideful and hear going, no, I know already. I'm coming to listen, but I already know. Mm. Or coming to go, I'm completely open to this because mm. I know that there's so much more that could be revealed than what I'm in now. Mm. Yeah. yeah, well, I guess, you know, what I was um, saying before about um, when, when Jesus spoke that to them, they were exposed for what they were in and what they weren't in. And for me, I, I go the... Capacity of the, the capacity that Christ gives you in love is to deny yourself. And so in that denying of self is the, what are you saying that I don't know? Or, or what is this reality that I'm not in because 
I recognize that the life that I'm looking for isn't me, but, I, but I'm seeing something in you that is. And, you know, sometimes it can start out small, like as, this is what I believe, like Peter had, where he, he was in that position. So he wasn't broken, but I believe that he was breaking to a certain degree. Enough at least to go, what's that thing? I, I recognise that and, and I've received something and so th- there was an element of that in there. Um, and I think there's also the, 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 the strength of what it is that you know, like this is how much of, of what we've been taught for our whole lives, we have no doubt about this, there's no room for this in anything. So when you're saying eating your flesh, I heard what you said, we're only talking about this, and you're wrong, and that's it, and I'm out the door. Yeah. And it just, that position just doesn't allow for anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like, you know, this, this comes knocking on our door as well, right? Because yeah. how often do we read scriptures going, we know what this says? Yeah. Like, we can read this, and then something happens, you, you, you learn, or, or an exchange takes place, and you're seeing it with new eyes. Well, it's always said the same thing. But you just couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. Yeah. Because even though I'm not a, a Jew in, in 30 AD, I still know so much mm. because I'm either a product of learning or Christian culture or what it is that I just think that I know and haven't allowed myself to go, actually, God, what are you saying? Because there's something greater than what it is that I've got in here, and I recognize it in here, and I recognize it through experience because actually that's how I came into life, you know, <laughs> by not having it in here and here and, and, and crying out for it, you know? Yeah, and it's, uh, um, I was thinking as Ruan was sharing, you know, it's a scary thing because it ties into this as well. We, we love what we know, you know, and pride, we love it. You know that we know something. If we know something someone else doesn't know, that's awesome for your pride. You know, um, I was seeing a scripture this morning, and I'll just share it. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches, honor, and life. Proverbs twenty two four. Now that was sent to me by mistake, but um, this morning, and the person that sent it was like, "Oh, sorry, I sent that." But when I read it this morning, I'm like, "Whoa!" You know, and he was like, he'd sent it to someone else. Um, was was supposed to, but he must have sent all. <laughs> so loads of people got it. Um, but you know, as everyone's speaking, I, I was picturing this thing because it's exactly like um, Sam was sharing as well. We have certain people we, we like to hear because we can intellectually grasp what they're saying easier than someone else. And that's a scary thing. So you see people that will not only like certain people that speak here, but will also gravitate to certain people online. I like this person. I like this person. I like this person. Oh, I'm not going to listen to this person. Now, there could be more life in the person that they don't want to listen to for them because it dashes their pride and they have to be in a place of humility to actually hear a sound rather than the words they, the person's speaking or the way that it's spoken, you know? So it's a really scary thing when we're like, man, you know, I really like this person and not this person because I understand what this person's saying, you know? And I, I, this is, that's the way I would express it, so I like that, but then not being able to receive some, from someone else because it doesn't resonate in your mind. And so I've found myself just as a practical thing doing and, you know, and I'll do it up here sometimes too, just closing my eyes and going, like you were saying, what are you saying, Lord? 
because I, I, there's a sound that I agree with, but what I'm hearing, the words I'm hearing, I don't agree with because I wouldn't say them that way. You know, I wouldn't express it that way. So am I able to receive something that I wouldn't express that way? Chris and I are very different. Like Joe loves hearing Chris speak because have, when, when... And Nick doesn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not as much as Joe does. <laughs> this is a but no, it is, it is this thing. Like, Joe and Chris speak in a similar way. And they have a similar sound when they speak. And they, and they, they reveal Christ in a certain way. And that's cool. And I'm different from that. And so that, Chris doesn't necessarily resonate with me as much as someone else might. But am I willing to sit back? And I've had, so I've had to humble myself to be able to hear what Chris has got to say. And that can lead to, like, you know, we've, been up, we've had contentious <laughs> chats and different things like this and confronted each other. And that's awesome. You know, because like we were saying earlier, Chris can handle uncomfortable, which is cool, because then you can stay in relationship, you know? Jesus could handle uncomfortable too. So, you know, it's cool. And, and ultimately, the more mature we are, we're able to actually hear him, right? You know, through each other, regardless of the presentation. And I think that's what you're saying, eh? you know, is that whether it's presented in this way or that way, Actually, when you're mature, it doesn't matter. Yep. You know, it's you know, you can have fellowship while being incredibly different in gifting and personality. It's actually it parks all of that to the side and, and says, Are you able to actually you know receive him? You know? And I feel oh sorry to say one thing. Um, if it just came back to what Jackie was saying before, which I feel like was a really good example, you know, with the two trees. You know, it just reminded me of you know, you shared about the tree of, um, you know, knowledge of good and evil and the, and the tree of life, you know, and in Genesis it says that there was, as a result of the fall, there was a, an, what is it, like a cherubim, an angel with a flaming sword put there to guard the way to the tree of life. You know what I mean? It's like, good luck getting to that tree. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and, and that of your own strength, you know, and to me it's like, I feel like the natural man thinks that he's partaking of the tree of life without realizing actually there's a there's a cherubim who's been placed there with a massive sword to say that actually there is no way of you coming to partake of this tree without me. You know, and, and that's why um, you know don't work for food that perishes, but food that endures to eternal life that the Son of Man will give you, you know? And to me, that's, the, that's this operating system that you're talking about, Jackie. You know, I actually thought it was a very articulate way of describing, didn't think it was jumbled at all, you know, to, to say that there, there is, there's two ways, right? There's the way of the knowledge of good and evil, which is actually a lot of the time good, you know? That being able to dialogue and talk about even the things of God, but there's a difference between good and life, you know? And to be able to partake of life, we need Him, you know? And, and unless, what is it? No one knows the Father except the Son and to whom the, uh, the, the, um, that the Son chooses to reveal, you know? Yeah. And that's, that puts us in a really vulnerable position, that unless the Father, through His goodness and kindness, chooses to reveal Himself to us, We've got absolutely no entry point to this kind of life. And that's why operating system is, is everything. You know, it's the beginning, it's the middle, it's the continuation. It's, and, and that when, you know, you can, 
you can spend your entire life gathering knowledge and actually not entering into true life because you're operating and eating of the wrong tree, you know? But in a moment of time, you can ha- receive a new revelation that unlocks the reality of who he is that makes up for an entire lifetime, you know? So there's no waste of time in him as long as we actually come to the point where we, uh, our, and this is where we talk, when we talk about death and dying, it's dying to our way, to our operating system, because he's wanting to bring to light and to life what true life is that we can partake of this tree of, of life, you know? So. I kind of feel like you just answered my question right then. <laughs> uh, but I'll just say anyway, what... It's hard to explain. Um, so while we were just in worship, I felt like God's uh, sort of said to me... Um, um, something he's been talking to me about, which is um, hearing his voice, um, but that not being uh, evidence of maturity. So he, so what he said just now was um, that, and to me, but it's a, you know, it's kind of what's been talked about um, is um, that I have been taking what he says. Um, as like the superior source of head knowledge. Mm. So the superior source of knowledge and letting it puff me up. Yeah. So as opposed to like, it's kind of hard to explain, but that's kind of what he said. Um, and I think what you just said about, it's like you're still in that operating system of knowledge, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I was actually going to ask what you guys thought about that. And it kind of sounds like sort of maybe like where Peter was or the disciples, it's like, yeah, they can hear, but almost they're still operating like that I don't know but I think you just answered it so I was gonna if anyone has thoughts on that yeah it ties into what Greg was saying about um the gifts of the spirit you know because one of them is word of knowledge you know and things like that and 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 the prophets of old heard the audible voice of God you know people have heard the audible voice of God heard testimony of people hearing the audible voice of God but they could be totally immature and hear the audible voice of God you know, when I went into the prison, I had a guy and he heard someone yell at him when he was about to get into a car accident, you know, and, and it was, there was no one in the car with him, you know, so he heard a voice that spoke to him and she said, I had a mother, another mate who heard a voice and avoided, you know, getting beaten up, maybe even killed, because um, his voice said, don't go this certain way, and he was so sure of this voice, and he's not a believer, but there was a voice that said, don't go this way. Now, I know it was the Lord speaking to him, and it's part of his journey to come to know him, but no maturity whatsoever. And um, I remember Joe sharing before, I think, about, um, again, like you say, thinking everything's good because I'm hearing God's voice. I'm all good with God because I'm hearing his voice. You know, And it's almost like when the Spirit comes in, we have the ability to tune, it, tune into the frequency of God but that frequency hasn't necessarily done a work in us. And so that's cool because you, you, the, you want to be able to hear from God. But then he's going to lead you with his voice into a depth of relationship that you can go into if you allow him, you know, which will lead to change. Yeah. It's like, um, for me, I think there's a difference between um, hearing his word, which can be instructional, and receiving his word, which yeah. is transformational. Yeah, so, so the instructional can still be external of you, 
but the but when when we receive the word and his intention is that we would um, that the word or like I said before would become flesh in us so not just so that we would know what he's telling us to do but that we would become like him from the inside out which are two different positions but it's awesome as well that you're in that position at least because he's able to speak and you know look at what it is that he's speaking and leading you into through what he's speaking so you know there's massive value in that and I, and I think that's a really good example. You know, I know we've talked here before about the difference between, you know, hearing his voice and hearing his word, you know. And to me, the question is, which one of those does he describe as being like food to eat? Do you know what I mean? And it's like both are good and both are right. And it's not to devalue what it means to hear his voice, you know, which is an incredible, I mean, like the fact that God speaks to us yeah, and yeah. directs us and is actively involved in our lives is incredible, right? But it's, that's always supposed to be number two of number one is hear his word, which, which is what, like you're saying, Chris, is what does this divine eternal work within us that builds Christ in us, you know? And, and so it should be this constant two-part picture, you know, of, of constantly eating, being nourished by the words of life, you know, and being built up on the inside, as well as hearing his voice for direction and, and all that sort of thing, you know. So the danger is when we have one but not the other, hey, you know, and when, and I, and I love what you're saying, um, Kathleen, and I feel like it's just a, I feel like you re, like articulated the the difference really well, you know, and, and seeing that, yeah, it's, it's absolutely possible to hear one, and the, the danger is that we would be hoodwinked and thinking that having had one, it's just like, it can be like anything, it can be his divine provision, it can be his miracles, it can be moving and operating in a gift like we've been talking about for, for a long time, any of those things that take us that, that we make that the number one as opposed to the number two, that's where the danger is. But it should be a beautiful harmony of receiving his word, growing in maturity, and actually hearing his voice for ourselves and being able to minister to others. So, you know, so. Um, oh, did, uh, Chris has been waiting for a while. Do you, I do you want to still want to share something, Chris? Uh, just very Two things very quickly. First of all, everybody wants to be part of something successful, don't they? They feel good when the crowd's there and everything's building and everything's going well. And then suddenly, Jesus says something and you're losing all these people. You can imagine what the 12 disciples thought. Come on, Jesus, we're losing. You know, you were popular and now you're losing these people. Can't you say a few jokes? Can't Can't you do something to entertain them, to bring them back? But Jesus wasn't there in the earthly sense to try and woo people back because of popularity. And that's a mistake a lot of some preachers make because they want to hold on to people or they want to preach a message that is, is, is warm and fuzzy and, and, and will draw them in. But Jesus was interested in their hearts and he wanted to speak the truth. And the truth was hard to take. And sometimes the truth of what's being spoken is hard to take, but are we prepared to go to the Lord and say, I don't understand this, but can you reveal to me what is actually being said? 
and praying and asking God to open the eyes of your heart. And that's, you know, rather than just walking away, actually God do something there. And uh, the other thing is, one thing that we've overlooked in some ways is the whole thing about the point of the blood and the, um, and the, the eating the flesh and that, it's all about covenant. And, and to a Jew, uh, you know, covenant was so important. And yet they're missing it altogether. But he's speaking of a covenant with the blood, you know, that others hadn't even recognized or seen or anything like that. But it's a spiritual covenant that he's talking about. And, uh, you know, it's so important. I mean, we, somebody said this morning about um, the Passover lamb. They had to consume the whole thing. Nothing of it had to be left. The whole thing had to be consumed. And that which wasn't something the entrails or whatever it was was burnt outside the camp or whatever. But the whole thing was had, had to be consumed and partaken of. Not just a little taste here and a little bit there. It was the whole thing had to be consumed. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good, Chris. Just to your um, to your first point there, you know, I, when I read about these many disciples that were turning away from Jesus, you know, it's easy to get a picture of these guys turning away and, you know, going back to business as usual. But business as usual for them might have been Christian activity. You know what I mean? It wasn't that they were necessarily stopping doing the things of God as they believed them to be. You know, they might have gone back to the synagogue and, and gone and done many works and helped the poor and all these great things that they were doing because they had the Torah, they had the law, and they knew all about it, but they left the source of truth himself. And as far as they were concerned, it might have just been a blip on the radar, and they could have lived their whole lives that way, still doing good stuff, but not recognizing the truth when he turned up and spoke something that was off radar. And I love what you're saying, Chris, about, about covenant, you know, and it's, I feel like it's a really key point, you know, because you think about the people that he's speaking to, are, are f- most of them are likely to be physical Jews, you know, and so the promises, you know, th- these are people who have been exposed to the promises probably their whole life, you know, and yet are still strangers to the covenants of promise, you know. And so when the one who all of their law and all of their prophets prophesied of was standing right in front of them, their response showed that actually they didn't know the covenant that was for them, eh? And, and certainly weren't partakers of that covenant, you know. And so, you know, the covenant is not just something that, you know, we're in covenant because we you know, we've become a Christian. He wants us to be, you know, partakers of that covenant, that our lives are an expression of the covenant relationship that he's made with us, eh? you know, so. Um, what I hear is just the personhood of Jesus. He held Peter and those disciples that, hung around you know it's likely that they're all offended to perplexed which I like Paul's word Peter would have been perplexed but his understanding of the person of Jesus first and foremost I think he was able was able to hold him and his position of I don't understand this speaks against what I know. But 
my understanding of you and you're so much greater than me. And I think that knits into what Jackie said as well of they had a larger picture of and probably not large enough of who Jesus was because he had been revealed to some degree inside of them and so the person of Christ held them in that position even though their head might have wanted to take them somewhere else their hearts were knitted enough to him through something that was revealed yeah exactly but I agree this in terms of that word revealed that you know you think about that moment that Jesus is asking his disciples who they're saying he is you know and there's lots of people with lots of opinions that were all you know all viable intellectually but when he says and who do you say I am and Peter says the Christ the son of the living God and Jesus names it and says flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father in heaven revealed this to you how do, how can Jesus so confidently say that because flesh and blood can't reveal that because spiritual and and the physical are opposed to each other the the flesh he goes down to say this later the flesh profits nothing that means actually nothing rather than oh no it's actually you know it's a good look, it's good if it's applied in the right way you know no what we're talking about the flesh has no capacity to create even to receive this this has to be a divine work of god because this is a spiritual thing that only spiritual can receive I love the life in what Jesus is saying when he's, he's saying, does this cause you to stumble? And like he's just rocked up saying something that is totally out of, out of the realm of understanding. And, and in that moment, he's, um, he's declaring that that very thing that I'm speaking um, is coming from a different source, you know? And, um, and he, he talks about it is the spirit who gives life, you know? You're not going to earn life. And, um, and, and the flesh profits nothing. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life, you know? So that the... the the desire for what is life um, is going to be the thing that that is trumping all this, you know, and also that he knows who's going to believe and who doesn't, you know what I mean? And th- that response, because he knows that the, f- the Father has chosen before the foundation of the earth, um, and there are going to be those that... Are, are going to respond, you know. It's all beautifully out there as this promise of um, how this operating system of life, 
here's the tree of life. He's literally there. And he's now expressing the ways of that, of that kingdom. And it's all outside of anything that can be understood, but it's, will you stay with me? You know, will you, ex- will you, um, you know, because he's asking, are you going to go away as well? Because the only thing required here is, are you going to stay with me? You know? And it's not, do you understand it? It's, um, are you going to go away or are you going to stay with me? And, and that is his invitation to us, is to come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Well, you know, those that are absolutely stuck in their minds, trying to understand it. And he's not saying understand it and then we'll work something out. He's saying, come to me when you realise that you're stuck in your mind and you can't understand it, you know what I mean? And then walk with me. That's all it is. Are you going to walk with me or are you going to go away, you know? And if, if, if we can, you know, hear what he's saying, then we can believe the promise, you know, because it's, it's a matter of believing that he's the one with the words of eternal life. And he's the one that has the, this spiritual life that's coming by the Spirit and we don't understand even anything what she's saying there, but we recognise that there's something of life, you know, so we, we stay. And um, I, I love the promise that's in this. It's all in there, um, you know, to, for us to respond to in the same way when we're maybe stuck ourselves. How simple is that, eh? It boils it down to... Its simplest form. All you have is the capacity to say yes, and I'm testing you on what it is that's in you so that you can see it (laughs) for what it is. Because actually, it's almost like Peter's using everything that he has to stay. You know, he doesn't understand it, but he knows where he's going to stay. And, and, you know, and I was just thinking about that. is, Is that any different to today? You know, it's the same spirit teaching and guiding and leading the same way that, you know, oftentimes we might feel like we're being tested. Why? So that we know where we're at, you know, because he's testing what it is that he's built, right? You're going to, you know, you're going to put a wall up, you're going to give it a shake and make sure it's strong before you keep building on it. And I think, you know, just seeing how beautifully simple that is and what you're describing, Sandra, you know, just shows how devastating it is for those people who actually did walk away, you know, and, and that, you know, he, they, they didn't work, walk away because they weren't capable enough, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, um, but that they, you know, it says that there'll be some that believe and there's others actually that they, that the, the one who was life was standing right in front of him and they didn't recognise him even enough to be able to stay part of that, that dialogue, you know, um, and, and that's a devastating thing is that, and not knowing they've walked away from the person who was ultimately for them, eh, you know. So. One, of the, one of the really cool things that we have been touching on, you know, over the years or over the, at least that I've been hearing for the last little bit is uh, allowing God to be God and not trying to play God because we can so easily do that. And one of the things that, that you know, we might talk about tonight is, is about, and it ties into this, when these, these disciples walk away, Jesus isn't trying to keep them. He, he confidently says, I think it's in John 17, where he says, of those that you've given me, I've lost none. Yeah. 
So he's not trying to make some things happen that God isn't making happen. These guys disappear and he goes, actually, if they're disappearing, they weren't mine. And he's completely relaxed in that he's at rest throughout this whole process. He's not looking the way a man's looking to, to what you're saying, build a ministry or build a name for himself or try and establish something to be a king, to do all these things that seem like good ideas. He's actually just going, I'm strictly here to do the will of my Father. I'm speaking the words that he's given me. And for those that are going to hear it, they'll remain. They'll be tested. I'll test them on it to see what they've got. And we'll grow and we'll journey this together. And I'm leading you somewhere. But I'm not trying to claim and hold on to those things that aren't mine. And I just, it just reminds me of um, you know, John the Baptist. He says at the beginning of um, the book of John, he says, A man can receive nothing except it's given to him from heaven. And so Jesus isn't in the business of trying to grab and grasp and, and make some stuff happen. He's completely at rest, knowing that everything that he is given, he, he has received, and nothing more. It, it's interesting because when Chris was speaking before and, and when you're speaking there, I just hear that this quality over quantity. You know, the kingdom's more interested in the quality of the work. You know, and, and there is a hundredfold, tenfold, a hundredfold and all that that comes with it, but the quality is more important. It's the, you know, he wants to start us in the right way and build us in the right way and, you know. Yeah, it's cool. um, so, in saying all this, and if people walked away from Jesus... So they were disciples that were walking with Jesus. They walked away, but they didn't lose their salvation. They were just not continuing in a sanctification process. This is a question. Um, Or um, the fact that the Pharisees, like Jeremy often talks to me about them being blinded for our benefit. So, you know, the sovereignty of God is he chooses to reveal what he chooses to reveal when he chooses to reveal. Um, But (laughs) the part that I struggle with is what if people walk away? Or what if God is never revealed to them? Then what happens to them? You know, like what happens if people only reach a certain point? You know, who who decides all that? Is it is it the person or is it is it God? Because if it says that he blinded them for our benefit, then we're benefiting, but what about the people that didn't? You know, it's like, I don't understand all that. It seems so big, and I feel like, why am I privileged to have known Jesus, and why am I privileged to be having things revealed? What about people that aren't? Like, how do we, how do we come to terms with all that? You know, 
that's that's awesome, Melissa. I love I love that, and I hear your heart in there absolutely. And I think that's I think that's beautiful. And I obviously that is a reflection of God's heart. So what you're feeling there is His heart. And I feel like you know, for me, in terms of um, the way that I understand that, you have to believe that God is love. You really have to believe that He's love, and that what that is that you've expressed there is a portion of his heart and how much more does he feel that for everyone, you know? And so I, I the way that I see it, Christ, the righteous judge, you know, he is the righteous judge and judges with righteousness, not according to the way that we see it. So when I look at these guys that walked away, I, I couldn't say whether they, you know, made it or not. I really, I really don't know. And every single person will have a different story and a different accountability before God, you know. But I feel like, um, you know, one of the things that, you know, just I kind of pictured there is what you're talking about, especially in relation to blinded for our benefit. I feel like, um, and no, I'm not a golfer, so I, you know, um, Greg's a golfer, so he'd probably correct me on this, but I know that there's like a handicap thing where if you're better you have a, a handicap when you start playing. So let's say that you're finishing 20 points ahead of everyone else. You might have a 20-point handicap when you start the game. I think that's how golf works, but, you know, it's something like that. Um, and so, so what happens is there's, a, there's this thing that God does, uh, sorry, that they do in golf that, that brings it in to make it a more of a fair game when you're playing against people. So you know what your handicap is, and I know what my handicap is. And I, I just, in my own space, and this is just me, um, I think that if people are blinded for our benefit, then that has to be a factor in, in the equation. You know, when God's judging righteously and he's like, well, actually, you know, uh, you, you lived in the Amazon rainforest. You never heard the gospel. How, how is there ever going to be a, a judgment that says, well, you never received Jesus. I, I personally don't believe that. And I think when you look in the book of Romans, he actually talks about that. He talks about those that haven't known the law, judged without the law according to the conscience in their heart. So I just have to believe that God is a fair and loving judge. And I think one of the other things that, that maybe I'll just throw out there as well um, is that there, I think there might have been a, a bit of a touch of the predestination thing there that you were talking about. And I... I my personal belief is that God's, um, what it is that we read doesn't negate our freedom to choose. So I absolutely believe that you can have the absolute freedom to choose and God's predetermined plan. And those two things can't be mutually exclusive. That you can actually have both of those things existing at the same time. So I feel like every person is 100% free to make a choice for themselves. And whatever choice it is that they made, they were predetermined to make that choice. I don't think it has to be one or the other. Yeah, and it's been a debate that's been raging throughout all of human history, right? Yeah. It's like, are we predestined or do we have free will? Yeah. You know, and I feel like, actually, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like... The, the scriptures clearly speak about a people that have been predestined, you know? But they also speak about our ability to choose, you know? And so what is it, you know? Is, 
and uh, and to me this is comes back to what we've been talking about tonight about divine revelation because the natural mind cannot comprehend what it means to both be predestined and to have free will because aren't those two things absolutely mutually exclusive do you know what i mean and this is and and this is why you know we can we could here get very easily jump into a real debate tonight about what does it mean to be predestined or not be predestined you know and everyone will have a perspective but actually that's not going to be it's not going to be helpful what we need is divine revelation of who he is you know and like you and like you're saying Chris you know it's like there are some foundational pillars that actually that actually have us with our feet standing on a firm foundation when we even approach those subjects you know the fact that God is love you know so, for example, you know, one of the key things that's happened in, in my walk is I've shared before about my granddad, you know, a pastor, a missionary, a preacher, a man of incredible integrity his entire life and in his late 70s completely denied his faith and walked away from everything and said that he doesn't believe that Jesus is, doesn't believe that Jesus is God and that everything that he's believed has been a lie, you know. It's like, here's a man who's devoted his entire life to, to the God that he's known. What does that look like for him in eternity? You know, actually, I don't know, you know, because I'm, because I'm not God. But what I do, but the God that I do know is a God of love. Now, does that, does that mean that I'm saying that what his eternal destiny is going to look like? No, I've got absolutely no, no idea, you know. And I'm absolutely okay with that, you know, because I'm not God, you know. And I think that's what it says in, in Romans 9. He says, you know, this, um, um, you know, you'll say to me then, um, why does he still find fault for who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, O oh man, that answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, why did you make me like this, will it? Or does the potter have the right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honourable and another for common use. What if God, willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom are called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. You know, And you see in there, to me, the key line is, you know, as they say, um, um, or does not the potter have the right over the clay to uh, to make from the same lump one vessel for honourable and another for common use? Oh, I've I've missed, uh, I've glossed over it, but he's saying, does does not God have the right? You know. And to me, it's not the, the bigger question is saying, is God God or are we God? You know, And even if there's things that I don't comprehend in my natural mind about predestination and, you know, and, and these really big time questions, does God not have the right and is he not God and is, are his ways not bigger than my ways and is he not more loving than me and more compassionate? Does he not have a greater value for mercy and for justice and for right judgment and do you see what I'm saying you know it's like to me it's it's the revelation of him and who he is that brings us to this 
place where we don't maybe have all of the answers, but we know who he is, you know, and, and that holds us in that healthy position while we actually allow the reality of these things to confront us in a way that's real, you know. And in the verses before, Paul says that he would even, he wishes that he himself was cut off and separated from Christ for the sake of his brothers, you know, for those who actually may have been predestined to not hear. And so the fact that that his that in him and in his heart, he's like, man, the, the love that's in me is so fervent and so real that I would rather be in the be in that position because I've got this divine love in me. I'd rather I'd rather sit in their place and receive their judgment. I, and he says in another place, I'd rather pluck out my eyes so that those so that they would see. You know. And so there's there's something in there about receiving the divine heart of God, which is what I hear describing, Melissa. You know, it's like there's something there that says, man, I don't, I don't know the answer, but I know that I've received mercy. And I'm so grateful having received mercy when I may not have. Do you know what I mean? And it's like that, to me, it's like that. I don't know, where, I don't know what's going to happen with my granddad, but I know that I've received mercy. And I'm like, I'm so grateful for what I have received. That makes me, you know, I, I'm... You know, so that, that, that love would say things like, I would rather be in their place, you know? And that's what Christ really did for us and demonstrated for us, eh? You know? And so. Um, And brings it to life because the starting place is love. And though we may not comprehend this, we certainly can't in our mind. Um, you know, if, but later on in Romans, it talks about that he's given both over to disobedience, both the Jews and us. So we're, we're both in the same boat. So we've got no way to actually get out of the, the boat in and of ourselves. So then you come back to the fact that he says, but God is love. So this is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that ever who believes in him will have eternal life. But he wants the whole world to know. And then it says in First John, it says, but this is, God has manifested his love and that he sent his son. Well, we know what a son was sent for. For us, and that process was going to be that he was going to die on the cross. So Philipp, um, um, Philippians, he says that, uh, that Jesus, who being equal with God, doesn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but because he is love, lays that aside for us to come, that we might have that ability now to have fellowship with him. Now who will, who will, who will be humble you know, and believe that God is love because he's demonstrated his love because he's entered into to our world and then he would be the, the sacrifice. I mean, this is God. Who lays lets go of everything that's divine in nature of him, that he he cloaks himself with this, because he is love, and now having demonstrated that love, both parties being in that same place of disobedience are relying on that same thing, his mercy, and our humility before him. And just um just to encourage you in that, Melissa, like I reckon it's such a such evidence of the heart of God in you. You know that that 
he absolutely cares about that and you know what you're feeling is what he's feeling and how can we having received so much not recognize that and then go what about them because that's me you know and that's what happens you know you go I I have received so much and I and I care because like like it says in John how can you love God that you can't see and not love your brother that you can see and you know what that is that's loving your brother that you can see and going, God, what about that? Because what's the alternative, eh? It's either God predestines and the reason why we know him is because he's chosen to reveal himself and he's had mercy on us and that he's chosen us before we could ever choose him. That's one option. The other option is that everything's based on our merits. And God looks down to see, okay, who's going to be the goodest? <laughs> you know, Who's going to be worthy of my love? Can I find someone who... Do you see what I'm saying? It's like the option, those are really the only two options. Either it's based on performance or it's based on mercy. Do you know what I mean? And if it's based on mercy, then we all need to receive mercy, regardless of how good, bad, ugly, what we've been through, what we haven't, you know? And so to me, it's like naturally, and the fact that God is, that that this entire thing is based on mercy Mm. means that, man, Actually, it's not about me at all. Yep. It's about your goodness. And that's yeah. about the fact that you called me. And there was something in me absolutely that responded to you, but you started it, you know? And, and, and so to me, that, that's just the, to, I just, I love that. And I used to hate that, you know what I mean? Like, uh, if I'm being honest, my heart used to hate that because I used to think that I had something to bring to the party, you know? And that I had a pro- somehow was able to approve myself to him because of how good a Christian I could be, yeah. you know. And surely someone like me would be worthy of God giving his, you know what I mean? That thing is just so hideously destructive and, and it holds us in the most horrific bondage because you'll never taste the goodness and kindness of God if you're trying to approve yourself to him and you're trying to be predestined through what you're doing for him you know it's like you're you will never get to the place where your conscience is right before you will never know what it means to be righteous you know because it's not a righteousness that's earned through human effort it's one that's received freely from him you know and it and it cuts everyone off at the knees you know, in, a, in the most healthy way and gives us new legs. Do you know what I mean? It gives, it's a new and living way that, that we receive mercy and then we live and lay down our lives in response to the mercy that we've received. Hey? You know? so, do you want, did you, do you want to say something? Um, you know, I, I love the word helper because Melissa has helped me ask those hard questions. And I know when I have asked these questions, because there's people who come to The Rock that will be asking, so what are you saying I am? Are you saying I am or am I not? And you know that beautiful book that, um, Are You My Mother? And the bird's trying to find, you know, um, are you my mother? And he asks everything that is humanly or birdly possible. (laughs) It's funny, eh? I know the author of the book was trying to go somewhere, you know, are you my mother? And that's us as children, you know, so we go, you know, so it's, it's the identity problem, like, am I your son? And it's, it's like the father goes, 
Yes. <laughs> and so I know when I went through this identity crisis, you know, Father said to me, so you would like to unforgive what I forgave. And, um, you know, he's so good. I love it. It's always at the centre of it all. You know, Jesus is always in the centre of it all. You know, God really challenged me, you know, whether blinded or, you know, you know, you know, our labels, if you know where we are in, in the Bible. Our bibs on our rubber runners, I got this today, is that we didn't want him. And we have him. So I think as we grow, as we've gone through the identity crisis and we go, oh, I'm your son, and it takes you from not saying who is and who isn't because he wishes that none would perish. Mm. That's our daddy's heart. That's right. So brothers and sisters, that's why it hurts. Because mm. you're running the race. And I, I said to a sister this morning, who do you remember at the Olympics? Someone who won the race or someone who stopped? And, you know, they've trained their life, but they stop because the prize is not coming first. It's helping the other person get up and run towards the finish line. And so there's even scriptures that says, even if you have to crawl, and pull yourself over that finish line. That's what Father wants. And I love how he says that. He says that I've forgiven it. And you now know. So use that measure. Love like I've loved. And then you get away from the arguments with each other. Who is and who isn't. Because, you know, Daddy showed me this just recently. He goes, where was your umbilical cord first cut? <laughs> And it was, he knew you before you were in your mother's womb. So was your umbilical cord cut, you know, after you came out of your mother's womb? Or was it, has, has it been cut from where I wanting you to enter? You know, he wants us to enter into the kingdom. Thank you, Jeremy. That's awesome. I think with those big things like that, we're just going to make sure they don't sideline us, eh? Because I know a lot of people use that as an excuse not to come to God. I can't believe in a God that would do this or this. And so they've used their human mind to try and comprehend these things of God and these ways of God that we can't comprehend. And, that, and we can do it as Christians too. That doesn't sit well with me. That, that sort of God doesn't sit well with me. I don't agree with that. But we don't have the fullness. We don't have the fullness of the picture of that, eh? You know, and sometimes he can open your eyes up to see something and you go, man, close my eyes again, you know? And I had an experience of that. And it's, a, it's on what you say, Melissa. I was driving. I was a fairly new believer a few months in the Lord. And, and I'm driving past Queensgate Shopping Centre. And there's all these people everywhere. And I, sort of, I, I said, Lord, I need your heart for the lost. I need to be able to see them as you see them. But all of a sudden, it was like he opened my eyes, and I just started weeping. Because every single person, it was like I could see darkness on people. There were a couple of people light, but everyone else was dark, like shadowy. And I just started weeping in the car, and I'm like, man, I'm struggling to drive here. I'm crying so much. I was like, Lord, please, you've got to make me strong to be able to handle this. But I can't see as you see. You know, and he, and he, he, he weeps for the people, he mourns for these people. But another scripture I hold on to is that every mouth will be stopped. 
when we stand before him. It's, it's saying that no one will have an excuse. No one will have an answer before him. He's just and he's good. And like we've said, he's love. So let's rest in, in that, knowing that he is good. He's just and he's love. And it should motivate us in a way that we're just to feel so blessed and to run the race like Jeremy's saying, with all we have in him, allow him to do what he's doing in us, that he can perform his work in us and encourage us in that and at the same time be praying for others. And we're not, we're, you know, Jesus didn't heal everyone. You know, everyone that came to him was healed. You know, the apostles didn't run around healing everyone. There will be people that will come to us in our life that we're to share with. You know, let him orchestrate it. Let him do it, you know. And there's lots of times I've felt like, oh, this is my obligation. I've got my grandfather's in the home at the moment, really ill, dementia, all the rest of it. He's had a pneumonia or whatever recently, got a thing. And I'm like, man, and we went and saw him. And I'm like, this guy is, I mean, he needs to go. But he doesn't know the Lord. And I'm like, man, this guy is hanging on and hanging on and hanging on. To me, it's the mercy of God. I said to my grandmother, I said, I think he's not going to go until he accepts the Lord. That's my feeling on it. And he wants to go. He's asked, he says, I just want to die. I want to die. This guy's so depressed. And it used to cut me up. But I'm like, man, I've got so much faith in you, God. You don't need me to speak. You don't need anyone to do anything. There's people going in there doing Bibles. There's all sorts of stuff happening that I don't need to be involved in. But we can put all this pressure on ourselves as if we are God and we're not letting God be God. You know, so... So yes, have a heart for the lost. Yes, feel God's heart for people, but don't let it break you or turn you away from him. Make it, have it draw you into him, that we can receive his strength and his, you know, everything that goes with that, you know? So they're big, big things to wrestle with, eh? You know, and the thing that we didn't quite get to tonight that I specifically said we should look at was, you know, even, even in this scripture, it talks about Judas, you know? Yeah. And it talks about the fact that there's actually, there'll be some that don't believe, you know? And he references Judas and Jesus who walked with Judas for three and a half years and, you know, says that there was none that he lost and yet... You know, you, you see and hear a, a dynamic that, that even in the midst of that, that Jesus, God himself in the flesh, you would have thought that he would have the ability to turn anyone around, right? You know, and yet these are, these are really big time things for us to wrestle with to say, okay, well, what, what about that situation? You know, and, and so, you know, and I think, and Paul says, you know, behold the kindness and the severity of God, you know. And, and I think for us it's about growing up in all aspects of him, you know, knowing his mercy, knowing his kindness, knowing that he's predestined us, but actually being able to be mature enough to be able to, you know, to, to not be thrown by these things and actually ask the questions to God and say, why did you walk with Judas and allow this to happen, you know? Why was it that Judas was predestined, you know? Um, and I feel like it's in, the, it's in the, the grit of wrestling with these things that he's found, eh? You know, so I think we, we can't shy away from the really big questions, you know? But they're not to derail us at the same time, eh? You know, um, so cool. Good, good, good time. Do, do,
I think it's, um, it's very easy for us to judge God through the eyes of fairness. And um, I personally believe that fairness is something that comes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. And, and we actually don't know a lot of this. And we need to let God be God. And he, he will reveal what he needs to reveal. But um, there are some things we're not going to get a handle on. Um, and it certainly can't be judged according to this fairness thing because otherwise we're putting up our standard against the judge of all, of all judges. My kids always say to me about fairness and they say, oh, that's not fair, Dad. You did this for this and you did this for this. And I say, look, it's not about fair. Actually, what's right for your sister is not right for you. I'm not going to give you the same. I'm not going to treat you the same because what... Chris needs from the Lord is different to what I need from the Lord. You know, we came to God differently. He revealed himself differently. Our testimonies are different, you know. So we just need to trust him in his ways. And thanks, Sandra. I feel like it's a really, like, good thing to end on, you know. And it comes back to what we've been talking about tonight, you know, about actually the only way in is through revelation, you know, which is the eat, eating and partaking of the tree of life and not judging by what our eyes see and what our intellectual understanding tells us is, is right or wrong, good or bad, or anything like that. So, so Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal not even, Father, predestination, all of these things. Father, I pray that you would reveal Christ in us. Um, Father, I pray that you would um, open up the eyes of our heart <clears throat> the eyes of our understanding to be able to see you with greater clarity. Um, and Father, for the things that you're touching on that you want to reveal, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would take us to those deep places in you where you're speaking and opening up your way to us. Father, more than anything else, I pray that you would teach us what it means to eat and partake of you, um, that we would have your mind, that we would have your perspective, Father, because you've opened it up to us. Um, that we wouldn't try and work things out in our mind and try and put you into a box of our own understanding or judge things based on how we've thought or try and comprehend you and your ways through intellectual ability. Father, I pray that through this dialogue here tonight there'd be something um, in it, Father, that you would grab us and arrest us and, Father, open up the way to life to us, that we'd partake of the tree of life that you have put there for us, Christ himself. Um, so, Father, I thank you for your goodness, your kindness, your mercy, and just pray that your Holy Spirit would minister and, and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise.